Welcome back, MTN Nets podcast. The losing streak is finally over in a pretty unexpected way against the Thunder here on a Friday night in uh, Brooklyn. And they, you know, the Nets were up a lot in this game. I want to see what their biggest lead was because they were up by a ton in this game at one point. Uh, that's the thing I'm most curious about. They won the game by nine. I believe the Thunder cut it to like six at the end. So it did get a little dicey there at the end. Yeah, it was 32. The Nets were up 32 at one point. Um, that was probably like early third quarter or so. Late third quarter, the Thunder started to, you know, cut into this lead. Then by the early fourth quarter, it was like, okay, it's got a little too close here for our liking. But, you know, to be honest, if the game was a, a couple minutes longer, the Nets may not have held on, but they did enough for just enough time and they get this much needed victory. So now they're 16 and 20 on the year, which is still not good enough. Um, this is a team that you're hoping you know, they have to make the playoffs. I mean, this is a team that does not own their own draft pick, obviously, and it's been disappointing lately. So hopefully this gets them going. It's it's an impressive win. They had some impressive wins last year with this group, too. The one at Denver, the one at Boston during that big comeback. Like, they, they do win games with this team. It's just a very inconsistent team. So their next game is Sunday versus Portland. I mean, hopefully they take care of business there. I don't think Portland's doing that great this year. So, you know, they're a young team, obviously. For this game, though, we had, um, you know, some guys coming back and some guys finally kind of breaking out of their slumps. Um, you know, Dinwiddie comes to mind. He shot the ball better. Cam Thomas had, you know, a rough two-game stretch. And they get Lonnie Walker back finally from the hamstring. He was supposed to come back. They said, like, he was going to be back in a week, like two weeks ago. So it felt like this was long overdue, but they do get Lonnie back and he didn't do a lot. He played six minutes and had zero points, but it was just good to see him out there. He's just an extra threat, and I feel like defenses have to respect him when he's standing in the corner. Like, you know he can knock down that shot anytime. Top of the key, like, he is a uh, offensive threat. But, you know, Cam Thomas did go down at one point in this game. Cam Johnson went down late in this game, so there are some injury scares. Uh, Cam Thomas came back in the game. It wasn't the same ankle he hurt earlier this year, so that's the good news. But he did come back. You know, it didn't look 100%, but he looked good enough, so I don't think he'll miss time. But we'll see what happens tomorrow, how he feels when he wakes up. And for Cam Johnson, you never know because it could be cramps. I mean, the guys had bad cramps the entire year. I don't know if he had this issue in Phoenix, but I feel like there's been three or four games this year where Cam Johnson just has these random cramping issues and it happened on this late layup attempt. He planted his left leg and went up for a layup. He missed and fell to the ground and he was grabbing like the back of his left hamstring. So you obviously would be very concerned if it is a hamstring, but I don't know if it's that or if it's cramping. Um, he didn't seem that concerned on the bench late in the game. He was talking to guys and, you know, it feels like he's been through it before, so hopefully it is just one of those cramps and they can figure that out because it is frustrating. So we'll see what happens with him. But for the individual performances today, um, let's go on like not in you know the usual order, but guys that played well. And let's go to Nick Claxton first. Nick Claxton was great tonight. He had 34 minutes, 8 of 11, 7 of 10 at the line. They did do the hack of Clax with like 3.15 left in the fourth quarter when they were trying to come back. Um, I don't think the hack of, you know, hack of whoever, I'm pretty sure that rule ends when they're under three minutes or it might be two minutes, but it's somewhere around there. So they had just enough time to get one more hack of Clax in there. They were doing this on New Year's Eve at well uh, as well when the uh, Thunder were home against the Nets on the New Year's Eve. So 
Claxton played well, though. 23 points, plus 5, 13 rebounds. He had 8 offensive boards. A lot of, like, put-back dunks, converting alley-oops, tough layups. Um, Of course, there was one bad Dinwiddie lob in there. I mean, that's just a a constant at this point. I just saw that Claxton has 6 double-doubles in his last 8 games. So, the guy's looking better. You know, I feel like Claxton's had some games this year where he has not been effective enough to be, like, a... A $20 million per year player, which he probably wants to be after this year when his contract's up and maybe even a bit more. So to see him kind of like just be more consistent lately, like that's what we need from him. And, you know, whether he is a net long term, whether he gets traded, I don't know, but we'll see what their uh, direction is. Um, I just know based on how they kind of did it with Jared Allen, like they just always tend to have like the next guy in line. You know what I mean? Like I feel like Sean Marks just like, oh, here's Jared Allen. We can trade him for a better player. Maybe they can trade Claxton. And oh, we have uh, Daron Sharp behind him. So like, you know, they have the depth and we'll see what happens at the trade deadline in a month or so. Um, Who else? I mean, Cam Johnson had his moments, but it just wasn't a good game overall. He was three of 10 from downtown. He made um, he made one nice three-pointer from the corner. I think it was like a big momentum three in the first half, like end of the second quarter. So he had his moments, but he really is giving me Joe Harris flashbacks. I swear to God, like every time there's a clutch bucket needed and you see the ball kick the Cam Johnson for an open three, he misses it every single time. Like there was the missed game winner this year, or I think it might have been a game tying three. It was the weird possession where the Nets got that like last second steal and Dinwiddie was on a three on two. I forget what game this was now, but you guys probably know what I'm talking about. So it just feels like every time there's a clutch three, like Cam Johnson has not come through. So I'm hoping that changes. He did have that big game winner against the Knicks a couple years ago when he was on the Suns. He did bank it in, so it might have been some luck. But, you know, just hoping for some clutch baskets from him soon because there's just too much Joe Harris PTSD with him right now. Um, Mikhail played 39 minutes tonight. That was a whole lot of time. Like, I don't know why Jock Vaughn, like, pushes these guys to that type of limit. Like, you have enough guys. Like, just it's just crazy. Like, Trenton Watford got a DMP tonight, coach's decision. Um, Harry Giles, I, I understand, like, he may not fit in every game, but, like, to not play Trendon Watford, who's given this team good minutes, I don't understand it, but, anyway, um, but Bridges played 39 minutes, he was 5 of 13, he did have a good amount of turnovers, right, he had four turnovers, some bad ones, I mean, just, he did have a travel at the end, where it was not called a travel, and then the Thunder coach went crazy and got a tech, and that pretty much was the nail in the coffin in this game, but, Bridges had his moments, like times he would just get into, you know, get to his spot, do that turnaround from like, you know, eight to 10 feet away. Like he was getting that shot when he wanted it and he was making those shots, but the three point shot wasn't there. It continues to be short. I just keep thinking this guy has tired legs, but he never wants to rest. So I guess we just have to deal with it for now. I don't know, but he did have 17 points. He had eight rebounds. He had three assists, did have the four turnovers once again. So not the best Mikhail Bridges game, but like it also could have been worse because we've seen worse lately. So that's another guy who has to be more consistent. Dinwiddie played pretty well. 33 minutes, seven of 12, three of seven from three, made all of his foul shots, which I feel like his foul shooting this year has been just really just bad. Like, I feel like Dinwiddie, when he he was a net in his first stint, it just, it wasn't that bad. Like, no, he was never a 90% free throw shooter, but I just feel like he was somewhere around like the low 80s, high 70s. He just was, has not been that good this year from the line. So to see him go six for six, that's awesome. 
he added three rebounds and four assists and did have two turnovers, but the three-point shot was falling tonight, three of seven. I'll take that any night from him, so that was good to see. The ball was in his hands a lot today, and he did a pretty good job running points, so nothing bad to say. He was really bad the previous, like, four or five games, but, you know, I don't think I've made a podcast since that game we had against the Bucks when, you know, the Nets played all those rookies and they got fined by the NBA, so... Kind of deserved it, you know what I mean? Like, they got fined $100,000 for basically benching every good player they had. So, um, it is what it is. I mean, I don't like Joe size, so for money to come out of his pockets, I'm fine with it. Makes me happy, but still, the Nets should not have done that, probably. Um, and yeah, it still annoys me. Like, they don't have superstars. Like, I understand if you have superstars, but, like, the Nets don't even have a top 30 player in the league, probably. Like... It's just, you know, it's unnecessary at that point. You don't have players that are worthy of getting, like, you know, these, um, what do they call them? Like, what is this issue they keep saying now? Um, something management, load management. There, there it is. So, yeah, the Nets don't have players where it's worth giving them, like, these load management games off. This is not Kawhi Leonard. This is not, you know, KD. This is not, like, Luka, like, whoever. The Nets don't have that. So, anyway, end of rant. But um, DFS did pretty well, three of five from three. He made a pretty nice three in the early fourth quarter, which I'm pretty sure was like, because they needed every shot they could in the fourth quarter. You can tell that the Thunder were making a really, you know, big comeback. They outscored the Nets 36-23 in the fourth quarter. So I, I remember Royce O'Neal hit a three to start out the fourth quarter, and then I think Finney Smith hit one short after. So, I mean, like those shots were big, obviously, just to hang on to that lead. So, um, yeah, DFS played pretty well tonight. I feel like he had a good game defensively, too. Did have a steal in there, one block. So, yeah, he did a nice job. Um, Royce O'Neal, who I just mentioned, he was one of two from three, had five points. He should have had eight points, but for some reason, Jock Vaughn took, like, the worst timed timeout of all time. If you have not seen it, it's on my Twitter or X. You know, go follow me there and go look at that. It was just so stupid. Like, the Nets got a long offensive rebound off a missed three. And it was basically a two-on-one between the top of the key and the left wing. And I think Dinwiddie just gave it to Royce O'Neal. And, like, that's right in Royce O'Neal's, like, hot spot. That left wing shot just a couple feet back of the three-point line. Like, he is so good from there. At least this year he has been. And for some reason, Jock Vaughn calls timeout, like, at the most inopportune time. And it's like, what the hell? And they showed a replay of Jock Vaughn. He had, like, this guilty look on his face. Like, bro, like, that was not the time to call timeout. I'm sorry. Like, you have a good three-point shooter in Royce O'Neal open from the spot he likes, and you call timeout right there. Like, that's just... That pissed me off. But, yeah, that cost him uh, three points right there. But, overall, Royce played well. Four rebounds, two assists. He had five turnovers. That does not sound right. I mean, he did have one where he got poked from behind i think the possession before that he uh, lost his handle so yeah maybe maybe that's accurate but still i just feel like five is a whole lot for a guy like royce o'neill especially in 16 minutes dayron sharp gave them like decent minutes tonight but nothing special nine minutes one of three he made all four of his foul shots that was nice only two rebounds did have two assists one steal one foul like the first second he got in the game he got a foul i remember but he was uh, one of the few guys with a minus, a minus plus minus in this game. I think Cam Johnson did, Dinwiddie did, and Dayron Sharp did. But yeah, not many minutes for Dayron Sharp. It's kind of interesting, but at least he made all of his foul shots. I'll take it. Dennis Smith Jr., a big game from him, 25 minutes, 6, 11, 6 of 11 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3. He had 12 rebounds. 
he had like eight at halftime or seven. And I was like, is that a typo? Like seven rebounds for Dennis Smith Jr.? But yeah, the guy was great. I mean, he had like almost a low-key triple-double. He had 13 points. He had... 12 rebounds and 7 assists and 2 steals. So, and he could have had 3. There was one kind of like if he called, I remember he um swiped the ball down on on uh, SGA and they called like a very late foul on that, so that could have been another steal in there, but they gave him a foul. You know, DSJ is going to have a lot of fouls. He had 4 in this game. He plays very aggressive defense, but he was good in this game. Like that this was a really good Dennis Smith Jr. game. He's had this game he was great, and there was another game like a couple weeks ago. He was phenomenal. Like he has these games, and you know he keeps having these back injuries. His back was injured last game. I forget who they played now, but he was out that um was it the Houston game? Yeah, I think it was. I think he was out versus Houston, or maybe it was New Orleans. I forget one of those games he was out. He keeps having this back injury, so hopefully he's fine. But when he's out, then Trendon Watford plays. It just seems like that's how it works when, you know, when DSJ is out, Trendon Watford plays, and when DSJ is in. Trenton Wofford gets DMPs, and it is what it is. So um, I don't agree with it, but that's how Jock Vaughn wants to do it. Cam Thomas, you know, after having the uh, the 0 for 20 stretch and being posted on NBA Central and Bleacher Report for having a very bad couple of games, he bounces back here. He had 24 minutes, could have been a bit more, but maybe the injury played a part in that. He was 6 of 14. Most of that came in the first half. I feel like his second half was very underwhelming. He was 3 of 5 from 3. He did make a 3 that was taken off the board due to an illegal screen by, I think, De'Aaron Sharp. So, you know, could have made another one there. But he added 19 points. That's nice. And didn't do much else. Had one steal, two rebounds, no assist. I still feel like Cam Thomas is playing pretty well. There were like two, four shots by him tonight where I was like, all right, you probably should have passed out of that. But I feel like for the most part, he was playing good team basketball. Just unfortunately, no assist tonight. But, you know, I do remember one specific play where he kicked it out to somebody. I think it was Dennis Smith Jr. He was open for a three and he missed it. So that could have been an assist right there. But... We know about Dennis Smith Jr. and his outside shooting. It's not the most consistent. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it for everybody. Um, they did shoot well from the line, and they've had so many bad free throw games. I mean, my God, there was a game, one of those games on the West Coast where they shot so bad from the foul line. I feel like they shot like 50% from the night. Um, this night it was 84.8%, so much better. 35, basically 36% from three, 45% from the field. And uh, they had 75 points at half. So I don't know what the hell got into the Nets offense tonight, but something did. And they looked phenomenal. Uh, I do want to find that game where the Nets had the awful free throw shooting. Was it the uh, Rockets game, I want to say? The Rockets game, they were 16 of 26. That might be the game. They were 61%. I don't know why that just went off that volume. ESPN's going crazy. Um, but yeah, it might have been that game or the Pelicans game. I forget, but... For some reason, the Nets have been so bad on free throws, and we kind of we were spoiled by that the past few years because, like, obviously, like KD was amazing at the line, Kyrie, Harden, like all amazing free throw shooters, and like then you look at this team, and even like guys like Lamarcus Aldridge, like they can knock down foul shots easily. But this team, for some reason, man, like Dinwiddie, I feel like Bridges is missing them now. Obviously, Claxton, Dayron, sometimes like they are just missing way too many foul shots. So disappointing, but still. Um, but yeah, I haven't talked to you guys since the Milwaukee game. They just came off the two Pistons wins after that. They had that awful loss last Friday versus Washington. That was the loss that like really set me over the edge with this team. Cause I feel like this past week for the Nets was like some of my lowest points as a Nets fan. It really was like, you know, of course we had some bad seasons. We had the 12 win season. I was a fan for that. We had a couple of 20 win seasons back in like 2016, 2017, 
But this was awful. I mean, this past week, having lost to Washington, who's basically like another version of the Pistons. I feel like the Pistons are more well-run. So like losing to Washington might be a bit worse. So they lose there. Then they have the road trip. They get spanked by Oklahoma City, spanked by the Pelicans. They kind of stay in the game versus Houston, but really they were demolished most of the game. So just three straight, well really four straight horrible losses. One was just embarrassing and the other three they got blown out. So I just reached a low point. It just pissed me off. Like I don't think Jock Vaughn's the right coach for this team. Uh, Even Dennis Smith Jr., like in his, um, for some reason they do halftime interviews. I don't know why, but um, I feel like this is a new thing this year. Yes, Network's doing, but they had a you know DSJ do a halftime interview, and he was giving shout outs to uh, Kevin Ollie, the assistant head coach. He was like, "Yeah, great defensive game plan by Kevin Ollie." It's like they're even shouting out the assistant coach. Like, what does Jacques Vaughn even do? You know? So I keep thinking if things get that bad, it's probably going to be Kevin Ollie as head coach soon. Um, that's the one bad part about winning, I guess, is that Jacques Vaughn gets his leash extended, but. You know, I have not been too impressed, and I just don't think he's the right head coach for uh, the future of this team, and I don't like how they manage Cam Thomas's minutes and, you know, Jalen Wilson's minutes, which probably, you know, is a Sean Marks thing because it's not like Jacques Vaughn can make him active. That's really a Sean Marks call. So, yeah, there's a lot of things about this team that piss me off, but if the losing continues to get this bad and gets worse and worse, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've tried to defend Sean Marks before, but if it gets too far off the rails I feel like you have to let him go like how many coaches has Sean Marks had he's had Atkinson I think he hired Atkinson right I'm pretty sure he did I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure he hired Atkinson um you hire Steve Nash you basically hire Jock Vaughn give him two other extensions after that could have had Ime Udoka if you just waited till the end of the year so you know the whole email thing is annoying because people blame Kyrie, but like it wasn't Kyrie's fault. I'm pretty sure the NBA just was not going to allow Ime Udoka to be hired in season, which is what the Nets wanted to do. But the Nets effed up by giving Jock Vaughn two extensions and not just waiting till this past offseason to hire Ime Udoka as their head coach. And Ime is one of the best coaches in the NBA. So it's just a damn shame that the Nets had no patience and now we're stuck with Jock Vaughn till 2026 and 2027 when his contract's up. Um, now, I don't know if he'll last that long here. And the Nets are still paying Steve Nash. I'm pretty sure Nash had a four-year deal when he was signed. So he, there was 20, 20, and 21, 21, 22, 20. So I'm pretty sure Steve Nash still is getting paid by the Nets right now. So to fire Vaughn and then get another established coach in here, that's basically paying three head coaches to do one job. So I don't think the Nets will do that, but if it really gets that bad, then I'm sure Vaughn can go and they, you know, promote Kevin Ollie. And it seems like players like Kevin Ollie. So we'll see, you know, if that can change things. I remember that one season when the Nets fired Avery Johnson the first year in Brooklyn and they made PJ Carlissimo the uh, new head coach. You know, he was the assistant brought up to head coach, basically the interim guy. And Carlissimo was awesome with the Nets. I feel like, you know, of course, some of that was because Brooke Lopez broke his foot and they played small ball and the team was playing better. But the Nets were really good with Car- uh, Carlissimo. I think they were like the fourth seed that year. They won like 48, 49 games or something. Um, so sometimes that could happen. Or obviously this team doesn't have the same team that that team did where um, 
Oh, wait, am I wrong now? Because, no, Pierce was the second year in Brooklyn. I could be wrong. Maybe it was the first year in Brooklyn. Um, I think it was now. Yeah, it was the first year in Brooklyn because, yes, Jason Kidd was the head coach of the KG Pierce team. All right, so there's some uh, Nets history right there. But, yeah, first season in Brooklyn. But, yeah, they still had Darren Williams in his prime, Joe Johnson in his prime, Brooke Lopez, he was healthy that year. Um, so, yeah, a lot of good players. Gerald Wallace was still kind of good. So, yeah, more talent there than we have now, but you get the point. Like, sometimes just bringing in, like, a new head coach can spark a team, and that was an example of it. Um, so, yeah, still, I just want some direction from this team. I know some people have the argument that the Nets do have a direction, and their direction is build around Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson and we're just supposed to accept that but like that's just bullshit I just don't think those are players that are good enough to build around like I had this tweet the other day because I saw it was was it Woj who said this I think it was Woj and Woj a lot of times like goes through GMs so this could have been like a message from Sean Marks you never know but Woj had this tweet I'm trying to find this now it wasn't that long ago but Woj had a tweet here it is so Brooklyn Nets still want to build around Mikhail Bridges per Woj ESPN so I believe Brooklyn's intent remains to build and add talent around Mikhail Bridges to which I quote tweeted that saying is Mikhail Bridges the most random this team wants to build around him player of all time and like that's no diss or, or no shot at Mikhail Bridges but like Usually when a team says we want to build around this guy, it's like a young star player, like a Cade Cunningham or something. Like that's someone like, okay, I get where you're coming from. But for someone to say like, yeah, we want to build around 27-year-old role player. I mean, he's better than a role player, but like 27-year-old number three option on a title team, Mikael Bridges. It's like, it's crazy to hear that. You know what I mean? And I don't mean disrespect once again, but it's just like wild that this team is so infatuated with building around Mikael Bridges. Like, you know, I just... I just don't love the direction of this team right now because really there is no direction. And yes, you have the assets to, you know, go into a new direction. Like, yes, they have the assets to get Donovan Mitchell. But is that good enough? I don't think it is. I don't think Donovan Mitchell on his own is good enough. If you can get Donovan Mitchell and be sure that you can get another star here, then it makes sense. But if you just add Mitchell to this team while losing some assets, like uh, they'd probably have to lose like Nick Claxton or someone, someone good um, to even get him, then that's going to be a problem. You know what I mean? So I just don't think getting Mitchell alone makes this team even close to a title contender. Yes, it makes them better. Mitchell's a great player, but they would need Mitchell plus somebody else. If it's Mitchell and Siakam, maybe. I feel like maybe that has a chance of working, but still it's not that it's just that's the part and i don't mean to go back in time i know people hate when we talk about these two but like that's what didn't make sense about trading those guys last year um to dallas and phoenix like all they had to do was give the guy who went to dallas the extension and he would have stayed and then the guy who went to phoenix would have stayed and the Nets still would have had 7-eleven going here for another few years but for some reason they were just so against paying kyrie irving that here's where we are, you know, and I just don't like this direction. So, um, you know, obviously the Ben Simmons trade was horrible. He hasn't played. He's still, he's playing two on two guys. You know, we're getting close, but you know, I just, the whole Ben Simmons thing is a freaking, ugh, I don't even want to talk about it. Like I don't even, when I think about the Nets roster, I don't even think of Ben Simmons anymore. It just feels like he's not even on the team. Like you sometimes see him in like hype videos and promo videos and you're like, oh, yeah, Ben Simmons is on the Nets. Like, I forgot. So, yeah. But once again, that's the thing that bothers me is that what the Nets want to do now is attract stars to Brooklyn. But what people don't realize is we had stars in Brooklyn last year. 
we just drove them out of town. We didn't want to pay Kyrie. He wanted to leave after that, right? He felt disrespected. And people say like, oh, he demanded a trade. But people forget that his agent came out with that quote like three weeks before the trade demand that he wanted to stay a net. So, you know, it was obviously the Nets didn't want to give him the extension. And look, part of me understands it because he's a freaking headache, but it's all about the on-court product and superstars. Superstars win you games. They win you championships. And, you know, I just don't love the place the Nets are in right now. It's just like... They're just this mediocre team. They're 16 and 20, I think, now. And, you know, they're probably a play-in team this year if they even make it there. And they might not even make the actual playoffs. So I just don't understand. Like, I really do think when that quote came out about Joe Sy wanting a 40-win team with no drama, I really kind of believe that. Like, I, I know people said, like, oh, don't take that quote um, as gospel. It might not be true. Like, okay, maybe it's not, but I feel like based on their actions, because once again, actions speak louder than words, right? So maybe that quote isn't exactly what Joe Sy said, and I don't think it is. I think it's something that uh, Windhorse was saying that he thinks Joe Sy wants. So it wasn't an, an exact Joe Sy quote, but based on the actions of the Brooklyn Nets the past year or so, um, you would have to imagine that maybe Joe Sy just wants an average team just to make profit and keep selling games. And, you know, those reports came out that the Yes Network, they have lost a lot of viewership in the past year. I'm sure, you know, people that are player fans, people that were just KD fans and people that were just Kyrie fans, like, obviously, they weren't watching Yes Network anymore. Um, and some people just flat out lost interest in the team. And I, I had these moments, you know, watching those games against the Rockets and the Pelicans. I was on my phone scrolling for half the game. And, like, they, it's just tough to watch this team sometimes. There is just nothing to be excited for. You know, those rumors came out about Kaminga, you know, being frustrated with the uh, the Warriors. Like, get somebody like that. If he's really up for grabs, like, go give them DFS and a freaking, like, second-round pick or something. I don't know if that's enough to get it done, but shit, like, try to get him. Guy's a 21-year-old who might be averaging over 20 a game in a couple years, so... You know, it fits the timeline. You have him and Cam Thomas now. Build around those guys. And Mikael Bridges, because we got to build around him too. But, yeah, I just want direction. That's it. I understand the stars are gone, and it's over, and I don't agree with that decision last year at the trade deadline, but it is what it is. So I just hope that there is a plan, there is direction. And if there's not, then it's time for this team to start fresh. You know, Sean Marks did some great things here. He, he built something out of nothing. He got this team to be... Um, a title contender for like two straight years and it probably should have been longer without some, you know, um, some bad luck and some circumstances like the vaccine rule that was out of their control. Like, yeah, it's not all Sean Marks's fault, but you reach a point where it's like, how long are we going to keep doing this? It's like he's three coaches in and so many different players have been in and out. Like we had the, we had the, uh, the D'Lo era, that was a couple of years, the D'Lo, Jeremy Lin era, whatever. And then you had the um, 7-Eleven era, then you had the Big 3 era, then it was back to 7-Eleven, now it's this era. It's like, how many errors can Sean Marks be a part of where it's like, enough is enough, you know? Like, I feel like I'm reaching that point. And I do acknowledge that he's done some great things here. But at the same time, like, enough is enough after a while. So, you know, we're not even like halfway through the season, I think, but like, we're kind of reaching that point where it's like, all right, enough's enough. So they got to get some wins. They just got to get some wins. The schedule going forward is not that crazy. This was a big win tonight. They're 16 and 20 once again. Portland, Cleveland, Miami, Portland, 
Both L.A. teams, the Knicks, then it's Minnesota. All right, yeah, that's some tough games. Those are tough games. So, yeah, maybe we lose a bunch of games by the deadline. Like, here's the thing that would piss me off. If they are, like, 10 games below 500 by the deadline, which wouldn't shock me, um, they better trade whoever they can. Like, there is no reason to sit where you're at right now. No reason. Especially if you're, like, 8 to 10 games below 500. Forget about it. You better sell. You better sell Royce. You better sell Dimwitty. You better sell, like, maybe DFS. I know he has a, a contract for a couple more years on, under a pretty uh, a nice cost. But still, like, just get what you can get. I'm fine with rebuilding. It's fine. But, you know, still. It is what it is. The stars are gone, and you have to pick a direction now. Do you want to, you know, we'll see what happens in the summer. We'll see what happens in um, the trade deadline. But just right now, this this lack of direction, and I'm not taking the whole, oh, this is uh, this is Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges' team. That's the direction. I'm not taking that for an answer because a team built around Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson has no direction. Hate to break it to you. It has none. So if you're going to go all in for Mitchell, if you can go all in for Siakam, or Mitchell plus somebody else, fine. That's fine with me. But don't run this shit back next year and say, oh, you know, we're still waiting. But, like, no. This team needs a direction at some point. It has to be done by, like, this summer. You can't keep doing this, like, you know, we just want to tread water and be good enough to maybe sneak into, like, the eight seed. Like, we don't want that. You got to build a championship team. And we had it. Unfortunate shit happened. The Nets were tired of Kyrie, and now we're here, and we're trying to build back up to a championship. Can they do it? We'll see. But if they get to this summer, and Sean Marks still has no clear plan of what he wants to do, then it's probably time to move on, and it is what it is. So we'll see what happens. I will try to talk to you guys at some point soon. Um, let's see. Maybe after. Well, that's a late. That's a late game. Never mind. We're not doing that one. Maybe Sunday night. The uh, game after the one at the Clippers, that's January 21st, though. That's a long time away. I don't want to go that long without making one. Maybe after uh, they play Cleveland on Thursday at 2 o'clock. I think they're in London for that game. So maybe after that Cleveland game, which, once again, is 2 p.m. for me, Eastern time. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I know the Nets played in London that one year against the Raptors twice. It was like the year we acquired Darren Williams. And I remember one of those games went to like triple overtime. It was nuts. And I forget if they won now. Um, I don't know. But yeah, that was a pretty cool uh, little back-to-back games there with the Raptors that year. So anyway, um, hope you all enjoyed the video. Of course, leave a like, subscribe, and give the podcast five stars, all that stuff. And I'll talk to you guys next time.